Hello, welcome back to the United Masterclass. I'm your host, Hader Abani. I'm joined by Rob Blanchett, as always. We have got a very special show today. We will be talking about Varane and Martinez. We will also be talking about Anthony, a very exciting new signing for Manchester United and what he will bring to Ten Hag's system. We will also preview the Arsenal game and uh, we'll try and answer as many questions as possible today. So, Rob, welcome back. United have got a new signing. United won three on the bounce. They've kept two clean sheets. Are we building something? That's the question. Well, the transfer window's closed. So this is kind of where we stand now. So you've got what you've got. So we'll try and look at that a little bit later on in terms of the window. But yeah, three wins on the bounce is exactly what you want. I think as well, I say this to fans, I know the whole don't get too high, don't get too low thing. Yeah, you can get higher Man United winning, but don't get overly excited that you won three in a row. That's really good. Because that's where we should expect to be now. You know, you just spent $225 million in a transfer window. You should be expecting to win in games on the bounce. So we'll try and cover all of that today. We're going to look back also at the Leicester result, just dig into the metrics for that. And as you said, today's show mainly about our new centre-back pairing, who let's hope stay fit, because I think if they do stay fit, Manchester United will have a good season. Guys, as always, before we start, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, give us a retweet on Twitter as well if you see this, and uh, make sure you give us a follow on at MC. give me a follow on at Hayden underscore Rabani, and Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Rob, I know you said don't get too high, don't get too low. United haven't won three games in a row, which which feels like forever. Honestly, I can't remember the last time. I can't remember the last time we had back-to-back clean sheets. I mean, that's how dire it's been, mm. you know, and maybe since probably... Project Restart under Oli, where we finished second, I would say that's the last time. So when you take that into consideration, I think fans should enjoy the wins. You know, they should enjoy the performances. They should enjoy the you know the intensity and aggression and the, the passion that especially the back four are playing. And we have said that this show, you know, will revolve around Varane and Martinez because United seem to have settled and Ten Hogs found his uh, first choice centre back pairing. And I say his first choice um back four, to be honest. We've seen Malasio and Dallo in that as well. Uh, as you can see here up on the screen, we've got the graphic from who scored. And this is uh, the 4-2-3-1 that we played, or the 4-3-3, let's say, against Leicester. Man United won 1-0. As you can see here, Rob, I mean, look, the back four all performed. And uh, Varane was particularly very, very good. When we look at what we saw against Leicester, I saw numerous times that when, let's say, for example, Dallow would make a block, Martinez would make a block, you know, the, the back four would come together, they'd all sort of, uh, you know, congratulate each other, as all, almost as if we'd scored a goal. And that's such a cliche, but that's such a big change from what we saw last season, that the back four are proactive, they're aggressive, they're fronting up to the opposition. And Ten Hag said something very interesting. He said that, you know, you have to defend as a team. And if you defend as a team, that will help the back four. And I don't think United have done that. So in that in that respect, last season, when you look at the mistakes that Maguire made, maybe Shaw, Lindelof, I'm not saying it's not on them, but because we're defending as a team more, the back four is looking better. But this current back four is so proactive, so aggressive, intense, fronting up to the opposition. That is such a big change from last season where we had the likes of Maguire, Shaw, who aren't aggressive, Lindelof as well. And that's why, as we always say, you need to build from the back. But that's why Man United are now getting results. The sad thing about it, Haydar, is that this is just normal football. This is what normal teams do, yeah? So the dysfunction of Manchester United over the last year or two or even beyond, going back into Mourinho times and Van Gaal times and whatnot, back up to Fergie, the whole point of it is, is this is normal that you have a back four that functions together, a team that plays together, a team that wins and loses together. 
rather than us talking every single week about individuals who make mistakes, who then look at each other, point the finger and say, that's your fault, not mine. So this is the issue with Man United. And the reason why today I wanted to talk about Martinez and Varane is that they are now the captains of the football club. What do I mean by that? I mean, they don't need to wear the armband to be leaders. And this is what Man United needed to purchase in this window. We can just uh, flip back one bit, Haydar, just to go back to the, the formation. You can see here that functionally it's kind of put out here as a 4-2-3-1. It's not a 4-2-3-1. Man United are playing a defined 4-3-3 that's flexible. It means that Fernandes can get forward, Eriksen can get forward. So you saw that in the game. But it starts with your centre-backs. They can step out of the pocket. They've got two full-backs that are fighting. So Malasia, we know fights. And Delo is kind of getting there. Delo's playing better. I still don't think he's top, top level, but he's getting better. And then you've got a four there. And do you know what that says, Haydar? It says to the other guys, your Shaws, your Maguires, your Lindelofs, your everyone else. If you want to get back in the team, you've got to start doing this. That's what I like about it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think... Uh... Dallo, I know you're not the biggest fan of Dallo, and Dallo can be frustrating, but what he has shown, especially, he's got two assists now this season, what he has shown yeah. is that he, what, what Wan-Bissaka wasn't doing, what he can do is he can get the ball forward, he can progress the ball, he can carry the ball. He's more comfortable as well playing inverted, as we've seen. So that's, while I agree with you, there's still deficiencies, especially on the back foot to his game. I think, you know, he, he can be a little bit rash, but I think going forward, he needs to work on his end product, but in build-up, he's very, very strong, and that's helping Manchester United. And Malasio, I mean, what, what can you say? The kids, the kids are absolutely fearless. He's playing on the front foot. Uh, he's still very, very young, so we've got to be patient with him. But uh, he's taken his chance with both hands, and he is the first choice left back for Man United. And Luke Shaw's going to have to work really hard to get back in. Uh, let's move on just quickly to the summary. So some of the things that United did uh, very well were they were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from counter-attacks. That's a theme, and I think that's we'll talk about Arsenal later. I think that's what United will do. Uh, some of the negatives, to be honest, Rob, here is United, uh, well, it, it can be perceived as a negative. They were aggressive. I think that's a positive for me because it shows that in the last two or three games, you know, they have upped that intensity and aggression. Maybe that's seen wrong because they're giving away a lot of free kicks and fouls, as you can see around the box. And there's some things that uh, United did in terms of style, attack down the left-hand side, attack down the right-hand side, and favoured through balls. So I just want to touch on that quickly because attack down the left and the right-hand side. We saw a bit of balance, didn't we, to United's attack? We haven't seen that for, for a few years. We've been very left-sided heavy. Um, but what we've seen is that actually United have been a little bit more balanced when they've been attacking down the flanks. Well, again, something that normal football teams do. Manchester United haven't done that for a long time. So that's why we look at that and we see there's a little bit of a surprise. Just saying with the aggressive side of it, Man United definitely needs to be aggressive then to continue to be aggressive. But don't give fouls away in stupid areas. They still do that. And you saw that against Leicester. You got mostly punished going back to the Brentford game. You're playing a team that will play set pieces and will smash you. That's that. So if you're going to be aggressive, fair play. Be aggressive on the halfway line. Be aggressive on your press. So if you foul a defender 80 yards away from your goal, no problem. No issue. If you do what we saw a couple of players do. So I saw Delo do it. I saw Scott McTominay do it. I saw Malassia do it. All three of them gave free kicks away in really bad areas where if you just use your head, you don't put your foot in. You can still be tight and make sure that ball doesn't come into the box. So they're the things where it says there of it being a weakness. It is a weakness because good teams that are drilled will not give you easy set pieces. Man United are still giving away set pieces way too close to their penalty box. 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's true. But I think that Rob, that that's something that's going to take a little bit of time, knowing when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive. This side has not been aggressive for what feels for like forever. We saw it, it you know, one or two times under Ranić. Um, you know, they've not been an aggressive pressing side. So I think that's going to take time to understand, you know, the triggers and, and when to go, when to stay, um, you know, and when to give away clever fouls. I think when, for example, Casemiro comes in, I think that will bring a lot of level of calmness. And we'll talk about that later on. Definitely. But just as you can see here, you know, United, they did only have nine shots to Leicester's 10. Um, eight of them from, were from open play. So that's interesting as well. So it shows that United are creating from open play. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's going to be a working process. I think the defence is looking... Really good, and, and you know, I always say build from the back. You said that as well. Let's get that. Let's get us tight. Let's get the shape correct off the ball. Let's start, you know, improving our pressing. And and I, I still think we're playing in the mid block. I don't think we're playing fully sort of, uh, you know, sort of Liverpool style of pressing or, or City style of pressing. But what I will say is that the attack will take some time. But if United are winning one nils, I honestly, Rob, I don't care. I just want to see United win football matches, be tight at the back, and see us improve going forward. But you know. In terms of creation and in terms of uh, fluidity, in terms of the front line and going forward and getting the ball from back to front, I still think that there's a lot of work to be done. And until a progressive midfielder, should I say, someone like Frankie Diongo, some of that profile comes in, I think United are still going to have to plug that hole with, let's say, with Tommy, Fred, Ericsson. Um, so, yeah, I think that's still something to be worked on. But defensively, I think we're doing well. Yeah, look, I don't think we are playing the mid-block. I think it's more case that they are trying to press, but they simply don't have the faculties to do it yet properly. So they're trying. So you saw in this Leicester game, and this is why we wanted to wrap this match up, we saw in the first half that they did press. They were high up the pitch. The way that Ten Hag is doing it is he's setting four up there that are spaced out to take care of the territory, telling the opponent, you've got to go over the top. Go over the top and we'll win the second ball. That's fine. That's what they want to do. Second half, Hadar, you saw that they were knackered, so they couldn't press as effectively. You then went from a, a system that had Sancho in it, where Sancho comes off, Ronaldo comes in for the kind of closing part of the game. Therefore, you cannot press at all. So you can only go to a mid-block. So I don't believe that, that Ten Hag is going to go that way. I don't think we'll, we'll kind of see United go backwards and forwards. I think you're going to see United press, and he's going to tell his team, get fitter. Get fitter and run. You didn't. I don't know if you saw it in the, in the second half. There was a, a link between uh, Rashford, who was kind of doing some of the pressing at the top, and Ten Hag in his box. And Ten Hag was spitting bullets, going mad at him, telling him to press. Mad, absolutely, like freaking out. I love that. It was brilliant. That's what I want to see my manager do. So this is the thing. When you kind of look at the the metrics for the game, it shows really that Leicester still probably with the second half control that they had at times, might have had the better game. But it doesn't matter because you won 1-0. So that's really what this all comes down to. You had one shot less, but you had one goal more. That's what's important. So this is a work in progress. I totally agree with you. I still think it's right for us on a tactical show to highlight the deficiencies because we're going to do that. We're going to look at stuff. We can be relaxed at that and say, yeah, hopefully those things will get better. I think it's really important to kind of pinpoint the successes as well as the weaknesses. Oh, absolutely. Look, I'm I'm uh, I'm going into this game against Arsenal tomorrow confident. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm actually, and we'll talk about it later on. But I think that United can hurt Arsenal, and we've got some of the weapons. And I think if he sets up in a certain way, uh, maybe similar to what we did against Liverpool, I think we can we can hurt them. But let's have a look quickly as well as we wrap up the game, Rob. As you can see, left hand side, forty three percent of our attacks came down there, twenty percent through the middle, and thirty seven through the right hand side. I remember we've done loads of masterclasses over the last year and a bit, and it's been 
60% down the left hand side, 20% or less, 15% down the right. Balance, balance, balance. And a lot of that is to do as well, Rob, is that Dallo and Sancho are building a nice, uh, I think, a nice understanding. It'll be remain to, it will remain to be seen what's going to happen with Sancho in terms of will he go to the left? I think that's what's probably going to happen. I think Rashford is going to play a little bit more centrally now. Uh, and I think that might suit him a little bit. Um, he's not, I don't think he's refined as maybe say Martial in terms of his uh, link up play and uh, his ability to carry the ball. But when you look at that right hand side, I expect that to go even higher when we see Anthony and Dallo on that right hand side, Sancho and Malassia on the left. Because I think that Anthony is that X-Factor player. And we'll talk about him in, in a second. But he's that player. He's going to get on the ball. He's going to beat a man. He's going to hold width. And I think that he's going to be a really interesting addition to United. Yeah, I believe so too. And I think that when you look at what Jaden Sancho does and can do and what Anthony does, um, Anthony's going to be the starter on the right. That's just the way it is. So that means that Jaden's going to have to go and do something else. So he'll be a starter on the left, I think. Um, I think as well, it's all about now, that you talked just at the start of the show about triggers and pressing and one thing or another. Anthony's coming to the football club because Ten Hag knows what he does and because Anthony knows what Ten Hag does. So the rest of them, Jaden, Marcus, Martial, all of the guys, even Cristiano, are all learning what this manager wants over a longer spell of time. But he's bought players that are coming in that he knows and that knows him. So Anthony, I don't believe he will start the, the first game in it now, which obviously is the Arsenal match. He might get some minutes off the bench. But what you're going to see is that they're going to play this system. So it's going to be 4 3 3 every week. Come hella high water, you know, it was 4 3 3 against Liverpool. They beat them. It was 4 3 3 against Brentford. They lost. They're going to see a, a variation of 4 3 3 that might morph into 4 2 3 1 every single week because that's what this manager wants to do. He is not going to chop and change. He's not going to do what Ole did and say, this week we need to play a low block because we're scared. We can't pass the ball, so we're going to we're going to try and just play counter-attack. You're not going to see that. You're going to see a team that's very, very defined with a culture and a philosophy, and that philosophy is already playing out. And that's exactly what I wanted to see, Rob, when I said last season. That was probably one of my frustrations with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is that I wanted to see a manager come in, have a philosophy, have, have a clear style of play, and yeah. implement it. And I think you see that with Liverpool, you see that with City, you see that with Arteta as well at Arsenal. Uh, all the top managers have a defined style of play and the players conform. And that's the key here, you know. And I think Ten Hag's going to build a squad now where the profiles he brings in are going to be the ones that can play the style. So eventually, you know, hopefully Ten Hag will be here two, three years down the line. The players that can't press are not going to be in this squad anymore and he won't sign these players. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. Let's talk about Butch and Rafa, as you call them, uh, you know, the other day. And I think that's quite a nice uh, quite a nice nickname for them both. Lissandro Martinez and Rafael Varane have been fantastic. And I think they've been a key reason why Manchester United have gone and played three games when they both started at the back. Three wins, two clean sheets and one goal conceded. When you have a look at Rafael Varane and uh, Martinez, Rob, they've got a nice mix, haven't they? You've got the, the aggression, the intensity, the, the proactivity of Martinez. But you can add the composure, the calmness, the reading of the game of Varane. They complement each other very, very well. Varane has looked very good next to Martinez. The sort of player that we wanted to see coming from Real Madrid. I don't think his ability has ever been in question. I think the frustration is Varane's injury record and we've got to keep him wrapped up in cotton wool. But what we're starting to see, which I didn't expect from Rafa Varane, Rob, is leadership qualities. And it's helping Dallo as well because we saw in the last season the right-hand side of Wan-Bissaka and when Lindelof was broken, the amount of times that teams used to just 
um, you know, expose the channel in between the half space. So what you're seeing with Varane is Varane's actually consistently talking to Dallo, come here, come here. And I think he'll improve. But also something that Ten Hag said about Varane, which is very interesting. I'm going to read out the quotes. He said that he feels Varane understands zonal marking and when to switch from zonal to man marking or emergency defending. This is so key. He feels he's excellent at stepping into midfield with the ball and playing progressive passes. I don't necessarily think I agree with the second part. I think Varane's a good passer. I would say Maguire's a better progressive passer, but the key is that first part of the quote. He understands the diff when to change from zonal to man marking to emergency defending. Varane, for me, Rob, is key for May night. And while Martinez has brought this out of him, I do think that um, you know Varane has been the leader at the back as well for Man United. You just said there about passing and progressive passing. This is a massive part of the game plan about how Man United are going to play. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that, that when you look at Maguire's skill set, his skill set was originally based around progressive passing from the back. But it's about the whole picture. It's about everything. How do you do everything every week so you don't concede goals? So Maguire might be a little bit of a better progressive passer. But Varane, I think, is a much more effective passer from the back because he makes better choices. So uh, Maguire might have more talent in that part of the park, but there's no doubt that overall Varane is just a much better footballer. And that's what it comes down to. So I think the reason why these two are, are complementing each other so well, it's not a big guy, little guy thing. It's not a kind of massively different skill sets. It's actually that they do all the stuff really well. So we've got some bits and pieces here on the screen that we can kind of talk around. Uh, and I think the important one here is you've got Rafa Varane versus Leicester here. 100% tackles one, 100% ground jewels one. Now, this is the whole point, is that you might look at these two players and say, well, isn't that that's Martinez's job? He's the tackler. He's the ground jewels guy. No, the job is that both your centre-backs have to do it. That's how it works. So this is the issue United have had for years now when we've talked about Maguire plus whoever, a Lindelof. They're too slow. They both don't tackle. They both don't pass out from the back. They both go too deep. They both don't help their fullbacks. Their fullbacks don't help them. This is Man United's story for so long. So this is what we're trying to move away from. And I think the whole point about Varane is that the big concern with him is still injuries. We don't know how long you can keep him fit. I've said in recent weeks as well now about United's selections that I want to see United's selections stay solid. I don't want rotations. Rotations can come in the cup competitions, all well and good. I get that. But in the Premier League, you have to have a style, a function, and it's first 11 that does it every week. And I think with these two guys, they can kind of complement each other because they're both equally as good on the deck and with the ball at their feet. I'm not too worried if someone's three inches taller. It doesn't really matter, not when you're talking about style and function and philosophy. But it's been really good to see that these three games, for me, certainly, the whole thing about these three victories has come from a centre-back pairing that goes and does their jobs without little fuss. They're not, they're, they know what they're there for, and they know ultimately that may not can see goals, they'll get judged on it. So Martinez is a new player. He's just one player a uh, month for Man United, which is a fantastic achievement for his opening games. And I think with Varane, if you keep him fit, Varane is infinitely a better footballer than any of the other centre-backs, certainly Lindelof and Maguire. And, and I think this is the only way you can go forward. But fingers crossed, fitness now comes into it. If you can keep Varane fit, you said wrap him up in cotton wool. The problem with that, Hayden, is you just can't. 
it's Premier League. You can't wrap anyone up in cotton wool. All you can do is maybe take him out in Europa and say, have a rest this week. I only want to play you one game a week. I'm not going to push you to play two. Rob, what's and interesting, there's a comment here um, mm. from PA saying that uh, they complement each other very well. Good to hear Varane is on his own training plan. Uh, help so we can manage him and minimize injuries. We yeah. have heard that, haven't we? And I think we heard something similar about Ronaldo. And United have had a horrific injury record. You've seen that over the past decade, to be honest with you. Um, but if Ten Hag is doing that, then that's that's smart, isn't it? And we do need him because when I look at the the other two centre backs, you've got Lindelof and Maguire. I don't think either of them do the full rounded package that what what Varane can do. They definitely lack the pace and the mobility. I think Lindelof and Maguire can do can do the passing side of things. I don't think that's a problem. But what's been really good is that Varane's had Martinez next to him, so that's someone he can trust, and so that he can go forward, step forward, and press. And I think that's really key. And I don't think that Maguire and Lindelof have the the, the aggression or even the, the the pace to do that because if they step forward and they get turned, that's it. United are going to get. Uh, they're going to get uh, ripped apart. So I think that's really positive. Yeah, totally. And I think this is going to be the kind of long-term question when we talk about Harry Maguire, about whether he plays or whether he doesn't, because, you know, can't keep repeating it. He's too slow. So because he's too slow, he could be the best baller in the world from the back, and that's fine. But if you're going to play a high line, you're going to play a press, you're going to be compact. You're going to, you know, you want to play as close to the left back as possible, letting the left back go and do wing back things so they can go forward. You're pushing that whole system forward. That's fine. But if Harry Maguire has got half a football pitch behind him, you can bet every team they play, including Liverpool and Man City, are just going to pop it into the channel and run him. That's just it. And this is why Man United lose games. So forget about your goalkeeper not being able to have a, a good pair of feet behind him or, you know, being questionable in decision making it's difficult when your centre-backs are slow. Like, how do you judge that? It's very, very hard. So these two are not slow. They know what they're doing. And I hope now we can develop them. Because I think for, for me, the Varane question is still there Is that with his fitness, is that he gets muscle injuries and he's shown that in the last year. And, and I think that's a cusp for the manager this season is to go, can I rely on this guy's fitness? Because if he can't, then in the next window or the window after you're probably going to have to go and spend 50 to 100 million again on another centre-back. I always say this, Rob, your your biggest superpower as a player is to be fit. Yeah. Um, but what we're seeing so far, look, they, they are the rock at the back for Man United and they're the foundation to build off. So it's great to see that, that. It's great to see Ten Hag as well making those big decisions, Rob. I don't think we've spoken about that. Ten Hag has dropped Ronaldo. He's dropped Maguire, his captain. He's not scared to that. Three games in, Ronaldo hasn't started a game yet, I believe. Or he started against Brentford, didn't he? So that's that's really pleasing to see as well. But also, it, it, you hark back to Ranić. I'm just comparing, uh, doing a comparison that Ranić couldn't do that, could he? Because he was only the interim. So it's nice to see that actually the manager seems to have the dressing room under control as, as it stands. But the other thing to add as well, Robert, he's brought in a couple of generals. Martinez is his general. Anthony will be his general. Casemiro is an absolute leader and he's a he's a winner. These are really big additions and we had a toxic dressing room. And I think that bringing in these players that he wants, that he trusts, and who've got the right personality is really, really good. So let's talk about Anthony now, Rob. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Anthony a lot as the season goes on. We'll, we'll touch on him you know, at a high level today. And we'll go through later on as the season goes on when we see how he fits into the system. But as you can see on the screen, we have Manchester United summer signings. Anthony was the most expensive on 85 million pounds. And you've got Casemiro, Martinez, Ericsson and Malasia. So the total was 226.4 million. Looking at this, how would I rate this out of 10, Rob? I'd say maybe still a 6.5 because I think United are lacking a progressive midfielder, a Frankie de Jong profile. 
And uh, I think a number nine is going to be an issue. When I look at the Martial's injury record, which is such a shame because he's he's actually perfect for the system. We've seen what he can bring. But if you can't rely on him in terms of his fitness, and it's an issue. Ronaldo, I think United should have tried to find a solution. Unfortunately, nobody really wanted him. So you've got Marcus Rashford at number nine. I think that is light for me in terms of options up front. I might have looked at someone like Memphis, just you know, someone to come in and do similar things to what Martial does. But having a look at this, what are your thoughts on United's business? I know you're actually quite happy about it. And I think United have plugged a lot of holes. They're not going to do it all in one window. But I still think they're lacking something in midfield and, and a bit light up top. I called it an acceptable window because if you lose 12 players and you bring in six, and those six generally, I'm not talking about with Dubravko trying to move him to one side. But if you look at the five we've got on the screen here, these are all potential starters, you know, week on week in starters. And a lot of the t players you lost in those 12 were not. They were a lot of bench fodder, players that weren't helping you. One or two more unpopular characters with the fan base. So I don't believe at all, Haydar, with all the kind of wish lists that everyone wants and everyone's been doing this kind of Frankie Dion rain dance for the whole summer about we don't get Frankie, then it's the end of the world and all of this. I think when you put these five players on a football pitch, Anthony, Casemiro, Martinez, Ericsson and Malassia, I think that you've had a good window. It's really hard to do more business than that. Forget the Nottingham Forest model of signing 22 players because that's just like cloud cuckoo land in terms of how you build a football club. It might work for them, but you know if they get relegated next year, their football club might go bankrupt for it. So there you go. That's not clever. Um, I think when you look at United and you look at these five signings, I like the way why Ten Hag has bought them because he could have bought more. He could have bought more in. You could have chucked uh, an Anatovic on top of this, who would have been a striker. Yeah, you could have chucked... Uh, a Rabio on top of this, who would have been another midfielder. And then he would have gone, well, yeah, but look, this is all the tick list that Man United fans want. No, I don't want them. I don't want those players. I want good players who are going to help you win football matches and help you build a culture. So these five, they help you build a culture. Close that transfer window, Haydar. Get on playing some football. You've got a big enough squad to do it. You've got some really good kids behind them as well. We've talked about Zidane and Savage and some of the guys now have gone out on loan. You've got a good squad. You've got a squad. You spent $226 million in a transfer window. I think you spend more than that. It quite often shows desperation like Chelsea. Chelsea are trying to do that. They're trying to buy all the yeah, time. They, they've, they've bought badly. I don't, I don't So they're trying to... Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we can't say that today because if Chelsea go win the league, they've, they've bought well, haven't they? That's what Chelsea try and do. But they're buying in a kind of slapdash way. And I think United need to stop doing that. I think United need to actually buy thoughtfully. You know, like Malassia at $14.7 million. It's the kind of signing we never would have made in the last five years. You'd have bought a Tellez and ch chucked him on the bench, and that would have been about it. But Malassia could be someone who's worth a lot more money in six months, a year's time. Ericsson, top player, free transfer, good business. Martinez, 56 million, right at the top of his value. But if he does well and he's just starting centre-back for the next five years, that's peanuts. So I think this is a really good window. I think the Casemiro deal is heinous. I think 150 million for one player in his 30s is a problem, but you can get over that by winning. If Casemiro becomes a hero and that centerpiece in the midfield, then you can kind of overlook it. And I think with Anthony as well, 85 million for a player that you could have got for 45 million only 12 weeks ago. It's not clever business, but it's what you needed to do. So I think that these five transfers here were players that you definitely needed, not fluff, you know, not Rabios, not Anatoviches. They were all there for you to go and get. You could have had 10 transfers and Man United would have won the transfer window. 
you don't win any trophies for winning the transfer window. United have definitely overpaid, but when I look at every single signing, they make United better, and that's the key definitely. here. And then, then the manager wanted them. Like, Casemiro, I agree with you in terms of the money, but from the short cameos we've seen of him, Rob, he is so calm. He's absolutely quality. He's, he's top, he's top, top quality. World-class longe- midfielder. Yeah, World-class. The best in the world, Rob, I would say. How much longevity has he got? Let's see. But you can see he's so calm on the ball. These one touches here. Uh, he picks up the ball. He looks forward. He's, he's absolutely... We haven't had a player like him for since Carrick, maybe. I don't think they're similar players. Mm. But, you know, in terms of, you know, a, a defensive midfielder in that mould, I don't think you could have got a better defensive midfielder. Is he the best in terms of longevity? It's going to give United five to ten years? Of course not. But he's he's world class. So let's move on, Rob. We'll, we'll touch on Anthony and then we'll preview the Arsenal game. But you can see here we've got the graphic from FB Ref. I mean, he's just and this is from last season. So, you know, he's obviously at the top of his game in terms of in the, in the 99th percentile for assists, uh, for shots total. Um, you know, you're also looking down here as well in terms of progressive carries. I mean, look, it's amazing. 11.6 progressive uh, progressive carries per 90 minutes. He's a great progressive passer. We see that as well. Uh, past the attempt to, we know he's playing in a very possession heavy base side for Ten Hag. Um, and then also interesting here, the interceptions. So he's doing his, uh, he's doing his defensive work. Uh, pressures are not so high, 21st percentile. Um, but look, he's top, he's a top player. He's got, oh, he's got a very high ceiling. Did United ever pay? Yes. But my, my biggest thing about Anthony, why I'm so excited, Rob, is because he offers something that United don't currently have in the squad. They don't have, barring Ahmad, but Ahmad is on loan now at Sunderland, mm-hmm. a uh, left-footed right winger. And I think this is so key for Ten Hag. We've seen it when he had Ziyech as well, is that why is that right winger who's left foot so key? Because one, 1v1 duels, they're going to be able to, to beat their man. And the other thing as well is holding width and being able to play quick interchanges. I think he's going to make players like Bruno Fernandes better. I think Donny van der Beek, I know he's not getting much game time. I think he'll enjoy playing with Anthony. And Rob, look, he's explosive. He's some, you know, I don't really have that. Rashford is explosive. He's lost a little bit. Sancho isn't going to be explode and go past a man or beat a man. And, uh, and and whoever's playing centre forward is going to have a great time with Anthony putting those balls in. He likes to cut in and shoot as well. He had the, the most goals, I believe, outside the box last season um, out of any player um for in the in the Dutch league in the area of VC. So United are bringing in a very, very interesting player. And he's got a great mentality. You listen to the comments he's saying, it's very, very encouraging. So Ten Hag's delighted. Uh we know they've got a great relationship. And I think United have signed a really good player, albeit they've overpaid. Yeah, as I said, I don't think prices are overly important today. You know, it's the kind of thing in retrospect you might look at and go, was that a, a good signing or not in terms of value? I think when you look at Anthony, the reason why we use these metrics, we kind of pull up here. So when you kind of look at the basics of what you did at Ajax last year, it's not that great. It's all right. You know, you know, the goals and assists are not huge for a player of this value. But it's when you break down the metrics and look at it like this and then kind of compare him to the rest of players in his ilk around Europe, in the Eredivisie, across the world, this is when it gets really, really interesting. So you can kind of see there, that's going into to mad detail, you know, in the 90s and above, 99 percentile um, for m- most of the major areas. Interestingly there, you know, it says they're about pressures, 21st percentile. It's because if you're in a r- correct system and your system is working and your, your press, your press isn't running like a mad person at the fullback. Because this is the thing I think, again, fans do get confused about when we talk about pressure and pressing. It's not. It's about being stood in the correct position to cut that pass off. So that's why his interceptions are so high. 
So pressures, not interesting. It's like he, his job won't be to pressurize anyone. His job will be to be in the correct area and intercept the ball when that ball tries to come through that channel. So this is why you've gone and bought him because he gives you that de defensive value. But you just mentioned there, Hader, about him obviously being left-footed. The reason why Ten Hag wants this kind of player is that this is what Dutch coaches do. They like players on that side of the pitch, on the right, to have a left foot. Why is that? Because it allows the overlap to happen. So you always get overlaps anyway. We know what wing backs do, don't we? But if you have someone who is tracking across and opening up the right wing, which is, of course, what Delo will do, he'll go that far, you can then slide that player in and that opens up the field for you in the final third. So that is the big key of having a player like that there than, say, someone like Jaden Sancho. Because Jaden Sancho on the right-hand side is a great player on the right, but he just he's not going to track in like that. He just isn't. He's going to try and be more tricky with his runs. Whereas Anthony, he's got the pace. He can come. He can invert and come really inside. He can almost, almost be a centre-forward. And I do think that Man United, he will be given more responsibility to score goals. So uh, Ajax... It was more of a formulated system. I think at United, when you look at kind of the, the shift of the front four, he will be part of that. Almost a bit like Bruno is. Bruno, when he's playing well, is expected to score goals, isn't he? Bruno isn't just expected to kind of track back. And it will be the same for Anthony. Anthony will be there to create, to score and to assist. We're going to see some Samba football finally, Rob, <laughs> at Old Trafford. We're going to have a tricky Brazilian. Um, but what I will say is I agree with that. I think one of the... The positives to Anthony as well, Rob, is he's very comfortable either holding wits. So if a team's really compact, which we will see teams go compact against May United, he will go and stand on touchline. He'll stretch the play and that will allow Dallow to be inverted. But conversely, like you said, he can go and play, you know, in more inverted, like you said, almost as a centre forward. Dallow can make those those overlapping runs. But what I'm saying is he's comfortable doing both. And that's the key. You know, he, he's not like as soon as he goes infield, he, he's, he's like a fish out of water. So I think... That's a positive, and he'll create for for the, for the number nine. So I'm really excited to watch him play. And he wanted to join Man United, and that's the key as well. You, every single player that's come in wants to join Man United, and that's that. These are intangibles that you have to take into consideration, Rob. Yeah, maybe he went on strike. Did he do it the right way? Yes or no? I think Ajax maybe handled it poorly. They said we'll take 80 million. United bid 80 million. Then they said we want 100 million. I think Ajax weren't particularly great there. But when you have a look as well at the balance now of this front three, let's say Sancho on the left. Anthony on the right. I'm going to say Martial up top. If not, it's Rashford. That's beautiful in terms of the balance. And I think Jaden Sancho, although he did well, uh, we did that show, remember when he joined at, at Dortmund? We said that Jaden Sancho started off on the left, played on the right. Actually, his produ production was actually very similar on both sides. But with Malassia overlapping for um, Sancho on that left-hand side, I think we'll see a better Jaden Sancho off the left. Yeah, I think Jaden is going to be one of those floating players throughout his career. I think he, I actually think he'll end up as a number 10 one day. That's what I think he'll be, because I think he can do all that. He's got the brain to play in the central, central parts of the pitch. You know, he can pick passes, he can see things, he can score goals. Does he um, lack explosion, Rob, to play on the, uh, in the Premier League wide? Because comment here says, I hope Sancho gets played more in field. So similar to you. I've been thinking this about Sancho. Could he play centrally? Not every player has to be explosive. You just, just it's a balance, isn't it? It's about a team. So if you've got explosive wide players and they push the the pitch forward, there they're going to open up the channels in the middle. And that's someone like Sancho. Look at the goal he scored against Liverpool. He gets the ball in the box. He puts Milner on his backside and he puts the ball in the bottom corner. 
That's what I want. I don't care about explosion. I want calmness. I want coolness in the box. So I think that someone like Sanja could do that eventually. Not now, because you've got Bruno, you've got Ericsson. So he's kind of down the pecking order, I think, as number 10 or in that position. But it certainly means that you can rotate. Now, if you were going playing Europa League, I would not be surprised to see Ten Hag kind of experiment in those kind of games of playing players in slightly different positions that we're not used to seeing. But you just mentioned there about uh, Anthony wanting to sign for Man United. This is why I'm not at all bothered that we didn't get Frankie de Jong. Because Frankie de Jong would have come to Man United if they could have put all the pieces in place and that was that and he got paid. But ultimately, Frankie de Jong was not prepared to do yeah, what Anthony was prepared to do. And okay. I know football fans get really funny about players going on strike and this, that and the other and all of this. It's not going on strike. They're not picketing the, 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 the training ground. They're saying, I want to leave the football club. I don't want to play for your club anymore. And that's that. So it's up to the club to negotiate. Either they stay or they go. Julian Timber was exactly the same at the start of the window. I want to go to Man United. Oh, you give me a better contract. I'll stay then. That's okay. No problem. So this is why United need to identify the right individuals who will come into the football club, who want to wear the badge, want to wear the shirt, want to play at Old Trafford. And, and for them, it's an experience. Casemiro, we're now going to see with Casemiro over the next 12 months, is he going to be the Casemiro we know and we've seen at Real Madrid? Or is he going to be someone who's taken a huge wage and is kind of in the last two, three, four, five years of his career? Let's hope not. And I think it's the former. I think he'll come and he'll be effective. I think he's that kind of player. He's bullish. He's a leader. He's come to lead. But that's always a problem, isn't it? Whenever you pick every individual signing, look at Man United signing for 10 years, and I would say 90% of them came for the wage. That's a problem. But Rob, but with Casemiro, I agree with you, but he could have stayed at Real. He's only 30. He could have stayed and won two more Champions Leagues. I think yeah. I think he's an exception for me. Like I, I believe it when he turns around and says, I want to bring United back to the top. So I have faith in yeah. I, I Knowing his personality as a player, and he, he could have stayed for the, the easier life. wasn't to come to the United. Okay, he might have got paid more. The easier life would have been to stay at Real Madrid because they've got Chiumeni, they've got Camavinga, they're still betting them in. They're both going to be absolutely fantastic. But Chiumeni could have spent another this season on the bench and Casemiro could have played a lot more. And Real could have won the Champions League again or could win the Champions League again this year. But he chose to come to rainy Manchester, uh, to, to you know Europa League, United, just lost two games as well. And he's tasked now with helping to transform this, transform this club. So... I think that shows his mentality rather than I'm here for the easy ride because being a United right now is not an easy ride. We can only say that in terms of presumption. We can't say that for sure. What we do know is that Real Madrid told him he would be fifth choice. So he went, I'm off, I'm off, bye. That was that. So I think that there's, there's other bits at, at play here. He's no doubt one of the best defensive midfielders in the world, if not the best. But I don't think he's coming to Man United just to be a defensive midfielder. He's coming to do other stuff. And we need to see now what happens. Like, everyone's got to prove themselves, hey, this is like the Ronaldo thing, isn't it? Like when Ronaldo came last year and people go, you got Ronaldo, you're going to win the league. It's like, no, no, you're not. It doesn't work like that. It's not how football works. I do think Casemiro can make players around him better. You just said the Carrick comparison. And in my head, I had it that when I was watching Ericsson play these last few weeks, Ericsson kind of plays like skulls in midfield. Ericsson kind of drifts. He doesn't kind of, he drifts, he moves all the time. And when he gets the ball, he makes the right pass. And you've seen with Ericsson's running stats, he's run more than anyone in the team. Yeah, now crazy. that's not because Ericsson's running like a madman, again, pressing, doing all this, because again, fans think that's what that is. It's not. It's because he's constantly on the move, constantly moving. And if he's got a Casemiro who does the Carrick function, who screens, gets the ball, plays it simple, gives it to him, then you're on to a winner. That's a start. So that's why I'm happy about Casemiro being at the being at Man United. 
But I'm still, jury's out. We need to see what he can bring because you can see what Cristiano last year scored all the goals, did you know, got the hat tricks, got the glory. United came six. I'm not interested in six. Six means nothing to me. I don't want to get out of bed for six. Casemiro needs to help Man United get in the Champions League. That's how he'll be judged, and that's how these signings will be judged. Agreed. Rob, final segment of the show, we're going to preview Arsenal. So we've got a probable lineup from who scored here and uh, 4 3 3 for United. So they've gone largely with the same side, to be honest, Rob, as uh, Ten Hag's been playing. So I would make a few changes here. So we can see De Gea in goal, uh, Dalo, Varane, Martinez, and Malassia. They all picked themselves really, <clears throat> barring injuries. Fernandez, McTominay, and Ericsson. I would start probably, this is going to surprise a few people. I just think with Arsenal, look, in great form, top of the league, uh, deserve to be top of the league, playing fantastic football. They're coming with, with a lot of confidence, few injuries. I, I think Ericsson looks gassed, although he's been he's been good. I think he looks gassed. I'd start I'd start Casemiro, and I would be looking to probably rest one of McTominay or Ericsson. I haven't really decided yet. But that's what I would do. I would start Casemiro in this game. We need his uh, we need his experience and quality there. And then the front three: Sancho, Rashford, Alanga. I would actually start Anthony Rob. I push I push Sancho to the left, and I'll start Anthony. I'll just throw him into the big game. I think he would really. I think he'd thrive. And then looking at Arsenal's team here, four two three one. We know they have got injuries, so Zinchenko looks like he's probably going to be out to come out to my FPL team. Uh, so hopefully he won't start. But you're having a look here as well. The big one here, Odegaard not playing. We know that Party's also injured. El Neni's injured. So they've got a couple of issues in the field. So Arsenal, I think they've got a they've got a few injury problems. But I think if United plays similar in terms of compact, uh, counter-pressing, win the ball back, and then transition quickly, I think they can really hurt this Arsenal side. And that's why I'd be starting Rashford up top as well, uh, instead of Ronaldo, for example. Pace him behind. We've seen that's where he thrives. And Anthony's uh, trickery on the, in transition as well. Alanga, while he does good off-the-ball things, I think he can be wasteful. And his decision-making is not particularly at the, the, the required level at the minute. So that's what I would do. I'd, I'd play our two... Uh, two Brazilian starters and um, yeah, I think United can win this game. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're, you're kind of muting there to play, to change four positions. Yeah. Four or five positions. Two. Two. Now you would say Casemiro. Casemiro and, no, so one of Casemiro and Ericsson. Uh, sorry. One of McTominay and Ericsson. I would start with uh, Casemiro and Anthony. So let's say take a Langer out and take McTominay out or Ericsson. One of the two. That's two positions. Okay. But Sancho would be switching. So Sancho would have to go to another position on the left. And, Eric, and did you say Ericsson looked gassed? So yeah. look, I, I, my view on this is, is really steadfast, and I will stick to it, is that don't change winning teams. You can tweak them, but if you change... if you, I think Man United are a still real fragile ecosystem. I think if you start trying to, to like reinvent the wheel, then you're going to have a problem. Now, I think when you look at Anthony, Anthony's trained with the, the team for two days, yeah, just about one and a half days. And he hasn't trained with Ajax for a little while. I think to throw him into this game, which is going to be a high-intensity, high top-of-the-level Premier League clash, I don't. that doesn't work. I think he'll thrive, all. Rob. I honestly think, looking but at he's not fit. Hey, does he's not fit. He's not, ready. He's, he's, he's not played football for two or three weeks. So I think that if you're going to drop him into this, bring him on as a sub for 20 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that. Give him a taste. Get him in. But this cannot be rushed. Like, again, I know there's always this excitement to play players. There was a Casemiro question as well. We had this, obviously. I was talking to Scott about this on my other podcast, and he was like, oh, I wanted to see Casemiro start the last game. The reason why McTominay is in there is because McTominay is giving the manager the miles. Yeah? McTominay is doing the He's playing real well, Rob. dog's work. And why is he playing well, Haydar? 
because he's got a better system and better players around him. It's just what it is. So I think that if it works, Arsenal, on the other hand, are going to be forced to make changes because they've got injuries. And the way to make and take advantage of that is that you stay steadfast. You change nothing. You've won three on the bounce. You're going to make them change for you. And, and this is what we said, you know, like under Ole, and we've said it through for like the last year or two, is that when you change stuff around, you've got to know it's going to work. You can't gamble. Man United don't know what works bar this 4-3-3 at the moment. They don't. They're just feeling. So if you play Arsenal and you feel and you put your new player in and he plays for 60 minutes and then he's gassed and you take him off and then you bring in Ronaldo on again and you, you don't know if that works through the middle. You put in Sancho on the left this week rather than the right. I think you make too many changes in one game, especially a major game like this, you might get stung. So I want to see that this be be the starting lineup, this 4-3-3 that, that who scored went for. They've done this on metrics. They've done some kind of ratings. The Alanga thing, Alanga, I think, has played really well in the time he's been on the pitch. He is a little bit more wasteful, and there's no doubt Anthony's a better player than him. But Anthony's been bought for the next five years. Calm down. Do you know what I mean? We don't need to change it in the first instance. So I don't see too much wrong with what Alanga's doing. He's making sure that he's on that side of the press. He's working hard for the team, just like McTominay's working hard. Might not be the most fashionable. Might not be the ones that Man United fans want on their back on their shirts. But he's actually doing the work. He's doing the job. His ratings show that. The miles that he's putting in his legs show that. So I think that Ten Hag will do that. I think Ten Hag's relatively conservative and that he will stick to what is working and might change it in-game. So, like, you know, if it collapses, then you bring Anthony on, don't you? But the guy has not trained Haydor for two or three weeks. And that is a risk with injury. If you start him in this kind of game, he's pumped up. Adrenaline's flowing. I'm going to do it. He runs, pulls a hamstring out for eight weeks. Doesn't make any sense at all. That's why they've done it with Casemiro as well. Break him in gently because Casemiro is going to play 60 games this year, as is Anthony. We're still at the start of the season. We just need to be calm. We need to beat what's in front of you. They can beat this Arsenal team. Arsenal have got problems now with their own injuries, but we know that Arsenal have started well in terms of their own bravery and the kind of style of football that they want to play. They deserve to be top of the table, but I do think they've got holes in their team. I think Man United can exploit it with the 4-3-3 that we've seen in the last two or three games. Key uh, battle, Rob. I'm going to pick out one battle and then we'll we'll go on to the predictions. Key battle is uh, the Butcher versus Jesus. Jesus has been... Yeah. As soon as he signed for £45 million, uh, listeners know this is why my brother Hass is an Arsenal fan, the guy that does all the, the back-end stuff to make the podcast look beautiful in terms of the graphics, but... Uh, well, I remember talking to Hass about this and 45 million, I believe it was, or 50 million. And I thought, absolute steal. And what you're seeing from Jesus is he's transformed the side. But I think the biggest thing, Rob, is his hold-up play and, he, and the way he uses his body and then he gets Arsenal going. You know, he holds the ball up, brings others, in, others into the game. We've seen Martinelli has, uh, you know, had a really good start to the season. Odegaard has been fantastic. I think he's actually probably the, the biggest loss if he's not playing. Definitely. Um, yeah, he's absolutely, he's so creative. <clears throat> Smith Rowe doesn't have the same, I think, uh, creation terms on the ball, but he's a really good progressive dribbler and carrier of the ball. So that's a different threat for Manchester United. Saka has been so quiet, Rob. You think about it, I think it's a couple of assists or one goal, one assist. But that's actually showing that how well Arsenal have done this year. You've got to give them credit is that Saka was so heavily relied on last season, but Arsenal are scoring goals and winning games. And then you look at the back. I mean, I think Saliba has been top class. He looks like a real talent. Um, but no party, no Zinchenko. Zinchenko has been playing very inverted as well. It is a big loss for them. I don't think Kirantini offers the same thing. So I think Arsenal, we saw them against Fulham last week and no Zinchenko. And they, they looked they looked like in the build-up, they weren't as effective um, or as dominant and had less control. 
But when I look at the matchup, Martinez versus Jesus, this is a huge matchup, isn't it? Jesus, barring Haaland, has been the best number nine, what the best player in the league, I would say, this season. He's been absolutely top class. And this is a massive test, isn't it, for Martinez and his credentials? Yeah, and it depends how he plays Jesus this week, because I think that's the whole, the beauty of Gabriel Jesus is that he can kind of do seven different things up front. I actually think he'll probably pull away into Varane's channel. I think he'll try and stay away from Martinez. Uh, he'll play towards on the left, but of course he can do the right. I think the, the, the key battle here is, obviously the midfield is one thing, and Arsenal are missing key midfielders. Man United have got much more talent in the centre of the park. I can't believe we've been saying this. I haven't said it for so long. Man United have actually got a stronger midfield than Arsenal's midfield in this one. But I think the key battle for me is the fullbacks. So what Delo and Malassia do against here, like a Tierney and a Tommy Asu, depending. On, I'm still not convinced that 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 Ben White doesn't play in one of those positions. I still think he might do. But whoever wins the battle on the front foot on that, I think wins the game. I think that's just the way I look at it. I think if Delo and Malassia can be brave in both going forward and adding width and getting quality into the box. Because let's be honest, you know, you talked about Malassia at the start of the show. I still don't think we've seen anything like what he can do yet. I think he started well because he's a bull. You know, he wants to show everyone that he's he's in it. And I think he wants it. And I love that about him. He's like Patrice Ever in that way. But I don't think we've seen any quality from him yet. No quality. I haven't seen anything going forward yet. Nothing, nothing yet. Nothing. But that's okay because he's settling in and I'm good with that. It's like, you know, you give people time. And this is why I may be a little bit harder on Delo because Delo's been at the football club for a long, long time. So there's a difference in in, a, in a terms of expectation. But I do think that Delo against Tierney could be a positive for United, but it also could be huge negative because Tierney is a progressive flying left back who is aggressive and might actually to Delo. You've had three good games, mate. I'm going to drag you back to your corner flag. Watch me do it. And I'm worried about that. So I think for me, I think as long as Varane and Martinez deal with um, deal with Jesus and then whoever the extra runner is, probably Martinelli, that put Smith Rowe in there. You just said about Saka. The reason why Saka's not doing what he did last year is that everyone knows what he does now. So they just go mark him. So they stay closer to him. So United must be aware of all that. That's where McTominay is important in there. And that's also why I would say McTominay would start over Casemiro. Casemiro is still learning this league. You know, it's early days. McTominay will know exactly which side of the ball to play on against some of that Arsenal midfield. Whereas Casemiro, still a settling in period. I'm sure he will play minutes though. Rob, we have the, the graphic on the screen. This is from Who Scored as well. So this is a Who Scored prediction. This isn't our prediction. This is when they've crunched all the metrics and the numbers and they've said, you know, uh, that they think Arsenal will win 2-1. United have won three in a row, as we know. Kept a clean sheet in the last two games. Arsenal started the season absolutely on fire. Five straight wins. Haven't had the hardest opposition, but you can only beat what's in front of you. I've, imp mm -hmm. I've been impressed with them. I've watched them a lot this season and uh, I think they deserve to be where they are. So you've got to give them credit. They bought well as well. Zinchenko... I know he's been injured, but Jesus has been a great signing. And it says here, the way Arsenal are playing at the moment, United will need to improve massively to get a result. I'm going for 2-1 United, Rob, <laughs> to be honest. I think Old Trafford will be rocking. I think that uh, the confidence is there. I think that Ten Hag will have a plan. And I think he'll know how to, to counter some of Arsenal's uh, strengths and some of their weapons. I think it really depends. If Arsenal come slightly naive, Rob, and play such a high line. I think we can, we can expose that space in behind like Liverpool did. So that's why I'm interested to see what United do. 
Um, so I'm going to one United. What is your prediction? Yeah, see, I don't think Arsenal play high line. I think Arsenal, Arsenal like United, will will play their own system. That's what they'll do. They'll do that, you know, I think, till they're blue in the face now. That's just how it will be. But I think they will be very aware of Manchester United's ability to to change stuff on on the counter attack and on the uh, and on and with pace. So I think that they they won't you won't see a conservative Arsenal, but you might see a more possession based controlled Arsenal than we've seen in recent weeks. Look, I'm not I'm not going to give a, a prediction and a result. We put who scored up there because theirs is done on metrics and how they want to work it out. I still think that if you look at the opening to the season, Arsenal probably are the slight favourites to win. The Premier League and football in general is game to game. That's how it is. So Man United have one, had been on this little run of three in a row and they feel good in their own skin, don't they? Arsenal have won five, but they've got injuries. So that gives the impetus and the advantage to United. It does. Just It's just it's just how it is. Look at Liverpool coming to Man United and losing. It's not that Liverpool are not a better team than Man United. It's just that they had injuries and have got problems. They're trying to sort it out. So it means that you you don't play as well and the opposition takes advantage. I think Man United in this game 100% can take advantage of Arsenal's issues in terms of personnel. And I think if United win that fullback battle, this is what I think Premier League football's become. If you can push their fullbacks back and you can and you can get in on the overlap, then eventually in the weeks to come, that is a good piece of news for players like Anthony. Not this week, but in future weeks, someone like Anthony will go, yeah, we can get forward that way. I can exploit it by coming inside and invert, and I can let the uh, the fullback go on my outside. Uh, I think Man United should expect to win every game now, Hayes. This is, my, again, one of my things that I keep going with. You spend £226 million, you should expect to beat every team in the Premier League except, say, Manchester City and maybe Liverpool to an extent. All the others, you should be saying, right, we can put our fist up to you and we can fight you and we can give you a good game. And I think 2-1 will probably be the score either way. I know it was, that sounds like sitting on the fence. If you can get Arsenal, if you can stop Jesus, you stop a lot of what Arsenal do. But it's that, it's that wing-back position, I think, this week that's going to really be the, the turning of the tide between who wins the match and who loses. And that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, make sure you hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button as well. Give us a follow on at MC. Give me a follow on at Hader underscore Robani. Give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Rob, anything to uh, to add before we go? It's going uh, to be a cracking game, I think, um, against Arsenal. I'm really looking forward to it and seeing these two, two good tactical managers uh, battle it out. Yeah, enjoy the game. Like you said at the top about, we said about not getting too high, not getting too low. I just say, enjoy it. Enjoy all of it. You know, even if you lose, if Man United play well, you know, we'd have to go away and lick your wounds. You have to say this is a work in progress. It's going to take time. Arsenal might be the better team uh, at Old Trafford. And we go, well, Arsenal deserves the points. But if Man United keep fighting, keep doing the right tactical things and play together as a unit, I think everyone will be satisfied with that. Just, you know, don't, don't be surprised if some weeks you see that Man United are not as good as you think they are because this is still something that is being built. Absolutely. Guys, look, enjoy the game. Will United beat table-topping Arsenal? We'll see, and we'll see you all next time.